All right. Well, what a blessing today is. Um, if you've been paying attention to our sermon series, you might uh, realize we've skipped a few chapters in the book of Acts. Um, not because they're not great verses. In fact, I encourage you to read chapters 21 through 23 on your own, but uh, they just didn't fit in with the sermon series. But I'll, I'll sum them up in brief here. Um, these chapters, 21 through 23, are a bridge between Paul's third missionary journey and his trip to Rome. Paul has been um, expanding the, uh, to the Gentiles and taking what the Jerusalem council, remember that back in chapter 15 where they said that you don't have to become a Jew first? That Jerusalem council, and some people are saying he's taking it too far. And some people still want the Gentiles to become Jews. And as people are getting worked up, especially among the Jewish people, Jerusalem is becoming kind of a hot spot for him. People are actually advising him, don't go to Jerusalem. People are having trouble with him and being angry. But Paul actually decides, uh, they're actually, <laughs> um, Paul decides to, um, to ignore advice not to go to Jerusalem. At one point, there was actually a prophet in a dramatic prophetic style. He takes a belt and binds himself up and says, this will be you if you go back to Jerusalem. And, and Paul um, ignores him. Says Paul answers him and says, "I am not ready to be bound, but also uh, I am not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus." And Paul will continue on into Jerusalem. He arrives for the festival of the unleavened bread, which would be a time which. Lots of believers have come together from all over the known world to worship in the Jewish festival. And um, Paul is told, well, let's preserve the peace by having you spiritually and religiously purify yourself according to the Jewish law. So praying, there's shaving of head, there's ritual bathing. That way they'll know that, hey, you're not doing nothing wrong, you're observing the law. This doesn't work. Paul will eventually be apprehended. He'll be falsely accused of bringing Gentiles into the temple complex, therefore proclaiming it, making it dirty. 
Because, see, Gentiles could go into part of the temple, but they couldn't go further in. To, and he's accused of taking it into the, the part where the Jews couldn't, the Gentiles couldn't go. And um, they'll actually get riled up. The Jews will get riled up so much to the point they try to kill Paul. But it says in chapter 21 that as they were um, trying to kill him, the uh, commander of the regiment um, who was over Jerusalem kind of hears the chaos, hears of the chaos, and comes down and speaks to the crowd and hears all the testimony. And so he'll actually put... um, put him in prison the people charging him will say wipe this person off the earth it is a disgrace for him to live they hate Paul so much Uh, before I go any further have you ever heard that kind of sentiment we should just let that person die I wish that person would I've heard that recently in politics This is not a biblical response. This is from the world view. And while the Roman commander initially ordered Paul to be um, beaten in hopes that (laughs) the real reason the mob was in rage with him would become, um, Paul informs him that he's a Roman citizen, therefore cannot be um, tortured in such a way. He has to be taken before the Roman consulate. And that's why he's going to actually travel to Rome. But while he's there, they'll put him in prison and he'll shout, I'm a Pharisee, son of Pharisee, Paul will say, I'm being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. And Paul will be thrown in prison. For two years he sits in prison. Without being taken to Caesarea or Rome for his trial. Why? Because they don't really have a case against him. But it says in the passage we read, But Felix understood the facts concerning the way were more accurate, putting them off because he wants, what does he want? Money. He wants a bribe. He wants a bribe. They don't have anything to charge him with. But he's safer in prison. They can't just let him go because he's guilty. Because then the people are going to get upset and start rioting. And and mob mentality is going to take over. And so the mob rules. We've seen some of that in our history, haven't we? Even lately, the mob rules. Felix the person in charge 
of um, Caesarea, the, being the Roman ruler there, will um, know that Paul is um, the ringleader of the Christian Jewish sect who will eventually split the Jewish faith and is well on its way to doing so, but it hasn't happened yet. So he pushes off the decision from ruling in his favor and just keeps him in prison. It's safer that way. Can't make a bad decision if you just keep him in if you don't make one. Just keeps him in prison. And during that time, Paul teaches about self-control and righteousness and that Felix had nothing of, you know, but um, Felix's third wife, Drusilla, was a Jew, and she would have known about. And Felix felt endangered by the truth, but he just kept. Paul in prison. Safe there. As I think about this passage, I think how human nature it is for us to lock things away. Things we won't deal with. We lock ourselves up. We lock ourselves up, right? We lock ourselves into political parties. And we don't have to think about it. We just go along with the political party. We lock ourselves up into uh, theological issues. Well, I'm a uh, uh, Calvinist Christian from the Third Reich of, I mean, <laughs> we lock ourselves up into, 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 so we don't have to think. We don't have to read the Bible. I just have to know what my church teaches. We lock ourselves up into, we lock up ideas we don't like, you know, like uh, dieting. How many of us could use to stop eating those nachos? It's human for us to, car, uh, to, to lock things up. Carpet, uh, uh, carmental, uh, Carpartmentalize. Well, there's the word I'm looking for. So we don't have to live with things. We don't have to deal with things. Paul's been in prison because they don't want to deal with him. Not because he has committed crimes, just because they don't want to deal with him. He's safer there. We lock up things that challenge our way of lives. Some things are bad, and we need to not put them in prison. We need to put them to death. Some things are good, and we need to accept them and put them into our lives. But we like to just put them away. If I don't have to think about it, I let someone else do my thinking. I mean, isn't that what the media is, right? Social media, the news, the... We don't have to think about it. We just let someone else do our thinking. It's easier that way. I mean, that's why some people, that's, this is the only church you get. Only Bible reading you get because I do the thinking for you. You know, there was a study done 
about Bible reading. And they said that if you read your Bible once a week, not much in your life changes. If you read your Bible twice a week, very little changes. If you read it three times a week, you might see a small difference, but you know what? Not much changes. But at four times a week, that's not, not seven days a week, four times a week, that's the majority of days of the week, just over the majority mark, you'll see life-changing events. That's just four days. So if you're struggling with reading your Bible, don't shoot for seven days a week, just shoot for four. Four days a week. You'll see life-changing events. We like to lock things up. We like to say, well, I'll just let the person on the TV or the podcast or the whatever read the Bible for me and then tell me what to think instead of reading it ourselves. Now, I am not against listening to people that have studied it because I know that we don't get it always on our own because there's things we don't understand. Time periods have gone by. That's called hermeneutics. We're big time. We got then and now, and hermeneutics is bridging the gap. That's a big word. We take entire classes on it in se seminary, how to bridge the gap. <laughs> I have three books like this on the subject that were not fun to read. But what Paul is doing is being locked away because it's easier that way. And I think about locking ourselves up. And I think about how we even lock up Jesus sometimes. We make him part of our life, but not the center of our life. And we could put other things there, even good things, you know, like church. Or, you know, Bible reading could be the center of our lives instead of Jesus. Right now, anti-abortion is kind of pro-life and cho pro-choice is, is all over the news. And if you don't know about it, you haven't uh, turned on your TV or the radio um, or turned on your phone, opened an email, because <laughs> it's everywhere right now. And we can make that our focus, the center of our lives. When in truth, Jesus would tell you that it doesn't matter which way this goes. We need to love on mothers to the point where an abortion is just something they, they have to admit. It's just convenience, nothing else. There's no other reason for it. Right now, they have excuses because we haven't done a good job of loving on people. We like to carpet, uh, put them in prisons, judge them. We like to lock things up so we don't have to deal with it. If Jesus isn't the cornerstone of your life, then he's just another stone. Easily locked 
into a corner and replaced by whatever else you want it to be. Family, friends, good things. These aren't bad things. Church, doing good works. No one, no one likes someone who doesn't do good works, right? We like people that do good. We, we don't like bad people. We like good people. Atheists can be good people. If we put our focus on just being good, then what's wrong with atheism? I've known some very good atheists. Jesus must be the cornerstone that we life, and if we stick him in prison, even though God can't be trapped, but we can try to be Christians instead of being Christ-focused. I'm willing to bet that as I sit here and I think about Paul being in prison because that there are things in your life that you need to deal with that you've locked up in a prison because it's easier to put it there than it is to deal with it. Could be good, could be bad, could be Jesus. You know, it's easier to have Jesus just part of your life instead of the focus of your life. Because then you don't have to change. I'm willing to bet that there's something in your life that you've locked up. And we're all guilty of this. This is all something we do. It's part of our human nature. We don't want to deal with the hard things. A lot of times because we feel like we have to deal with it alone. But you know what? You're not alone. You have a family that's right beside you. So here's what I want you to do this week as we think about our next steps. What have you locked away? What have you locked away? Because you don't want to deal with it. What hard decisions need to be made? Get the help you need. Pray God gives you the direction you need to go. But walk. Put to death the things that need to be put to death. Stop holding on to those sins. Say, well, I might need it someday. Because if you just lock it up, it'll come out. And that's why the Bible doesn't say, uh, you know, put in prison your sins and keep them there. What does it say? Just put them to death. They can't get up if they're dead. We put them in prison, they're still alive, and they'll get out. What are you needing to do today? Father God, I praise you today, Lord. I pray for those things that we've locked away.
Lord, whether they're... So where we're at is Felix, the, the guy who he has to see in Caesarea, is going to keep him in prison. Because the high priests are putting pressure on him. They're going to say, well, we, you can't let him up. He, he's, he's going to break the Pax Romana. That's that Roman peace. Because according to the, 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 time, the custom at the time, you can be, worship whatever gods you want as long as you don't mm, make a stir. Break the Pax, the peace. Well, Paul doing what he's doing has got some mob riled up and that peace is being broken. And he's being labeled as a ringleader in getting the mob stirred up. Then, so what they're going to do is they're going to bring charges against Paul. Well, they don't have any good charges. What they're going to do, and we're going to re- you read about that on uh, elsewhere, is that they're going to um, get some of the people to say that he has defiled the temple by letting Gentiles in. See, at the time... Gentiles, non-Jewish people could only go to part of the temple, but you couldn't go anywhere else out inside of it. And so they say, Gentiles have entered in. Which was a, enough to get them to riot. The mob rule to take over. We know about mob rule, don't we? We've seen that a lot lately. Mobs getting all violent with each other. Not making any points. They're just making angry noises. And Felix knows. He knows there's no reason to hold him. He doesn't seem to be a Christian, but Felix's third wife uh, at the time, she seems to know. She's a Jew. And she knows that they have no reason to hold him. But he's there, even in prison, preaching about faith to the officials. But with nothing to hold him, well, Felix does the only thing he feels he can do. Not do anything. Just keep the man in prison. He's safe there. He can't cause any problems. He could pay me. I'd let him out then, right? I mean, Felix isn't above getting taking some money. We've seen some of that in our immediate history too, haven't we? <laughs> Felix ain't above that, but he says, you know what? I'm just going to keep him in prison. He's safe there. He's safe in prison. It's for, you know, he probably even told himself it's for his protection, right? He can't get killed if he's in prison. 
We lie to ourselves sometimes like that, right? And we come up with excuses. Well, as long as they're in prison, we can't, you know, we can, they can't be hurt. Now, Felix will continue to push off until Felix is actually kicked out of Um, Felix will be a guy who allows troops, Roman troops, to sack and loot houses of wealthier Jews. And um, so he'll actually be kicked out of, uh, of, of Jewish territory eventually. But for two years, Paul will spend in prison for his own safety. Because Felix didn't want to make a decision. He knew there was nothing he could handle on, but he didn't want the mob mad either. So he just kept it quiet. Just left him there. It's easier, right? It's easier to just keep him in prison. And as I, I read this passage, I think about how easy it is for us to do that. Not, not necessarily with physical prison, though sometimes I'm sure that does happen. But with areas of our own life, we just keep things locked up, pushed off to a room. I'm just not going to think about that. I'm going to keep that behind bars. I don't have to deal with it that way. I don't have to deal with it. Maybe it's still alive and so I can deal with it if I want to, right? I think about that with like sin in our life, right? The Bible says keep uh, that we need to put our sin to death. But I think sometimes we like to say, well, I'll just keep it in prison for life, right? That way I can take it out and play with it when I want to. Because <laughs> if it's still alive, then I can still play with it when I, when I, when I, when I feel like it. Or it could escape. Because we're not putting it to death. But we keep other things in prison, right? We don't want to deal with it. Like, like forgiveness. We don't want to forgive people. We put person in prison in our own hearts and then guess what the only person that hurts is you because you get to be the warden for all time and that's what forgiveness is of all about it's 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 not necessarily restoration of a relationship that's different it's saying i no longer need to be the warden over you i don't need to punish you that's god's job and so i forgive and I continually to forgive all the times that it makes me mad. And I continually to forgive. And I, I, forget, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And we have to constantly forgive. And sometimes it's a, every day we have to repeatedly forgive until it actually sticks, right? <laughs> like pick up our cross daily, right? If it was just a one-time thing, we wouldn't have to pick it up daily. That doesn't mean you have to restay or stay in a relationship that's hurting you. But we forgive saying it's not my job to be the prison warden. But a lot of times we just keep them in prison because then we don't have to deal with it. 
we get comfortable in our, our place of uncomfort. But think about things in your own life, things, decisions that need to be made. So I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to push that off to the side. It's easier to keep it off to the side in prison than it is to actually deal with that problem. Or that good thing. Or moments in your past. This could be a good thing or a bad thing. Think about that moment where you were the superstar. And you've locked that moment as the focal point of all your life. And everything else is about that moment. You know what you do when you do that? You miss the future. But it could be a bad moment in your life too. You've locked that moment. You've locked yourself up with that moment. That moment when someone hurt you. Or that moment when you did something horrible. And you've locked yourself up in that moment. And you know what? You don't let God forgive you for that. Because you've locked yourself up with it. And so you're trapped. And that moment is the focal point of your life. But I think sometimes it's not just something in our lives that we lock up. It may be even Jesus. We can push him off to part of our life instead of being the cornerstone of our life. Then we don't have to change. Then we don't have to have a life-changing event. He can just be something I do, right? We could be a Christian and not have a life-changing event with Christ. And we can put other things there in that moment. You know, it could be even good things like church, you know. Church is good. But if we put church the cornerstone instead of Christ, then church is just a building where we usually get judgmental with each other. <laughs> but Christ has to be the cornerstone. If he's not the cornerstone, he's just another stone in our lives. You can stumble over that stone. We lock things up. We lock ourselves up in with legalism. I don't want to change my life to change. I just want to read the Bible every day. I don't want it to change my life. Or once a week or, you know, once a month. Or, you know, if some, of you, some, some people are like, this is the only church I ever get. I lock myself. I don't want Christ to be all my life, just Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, that's enough. That's, that's, that's good enough, right? You heard me on Sunday. I don't even want to read it myself. I'll let someone else tell me about it. You know, uh, there was a survey that went out. I want to say it was like 40,000 people. And, uh, but that may be wrong, so don't quote me on that. And they found that if you read the Bible once a week, you know what changes in your life? Not much. You might you lose a little bit of time because you read the Bible once a week. You know, twice a week, not much changes. Three times a week, well, you might notice a little bit of change. The number was four. If you read the Bible four days a week, that's over the, you know, that's over half the week. doesn't have to be seven days a week, just four days a week. That's when people started seeing life-altering moments with Jesus. Just four days a week. And yet we think, well, I can just do them on Sunday. That's enough. 
Well, maybe Sundays and Tuesdays. I'll throw in a Tuesday in there. Four days. So if you're struggling with Bible study and you're like, I can't read every day of the week. I understand. Four days a week. Shoot for four. Life-altering events. Study found. We lock ourselves up because we don't want to deal with things. I bet you that everyone in this room has something in their life they've, they've locked up because they don't want to deal with it. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's need for forgiveness. Maybe it's need to forgive yourself or that person that you won't forgive. Or maybe you won't let someone else forgive you or... Or that decision that you need to make and you keep, God keeps saying, how many of you have been here? God says go and you keep saying no. Let's just put that in prison because I don't want to go. We're more like Felix than we think, right? I bet everyone in this room has struggled with that at time, from time to time. We have to let these things out. We have to deal with them. Otherwise, we just bottle them up and they destroy our lives. And they will, too. And doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's an easy decision, right? You know, Felix kept it in, in prison, Paul in prison, because it was the easy thing to do. Mob ain't going to take over, and I don't have to do anything except put my hand out and wait for some bribery. That's pretty easy. He didn't even have to feed him. It wasn't like today's society where we actually feed people in prison. Paul's people had to feed Paul. What a... What an idea that we have the ability to not be like Felix under the power and grace of God. That we don't have to be like that. Because we're in the image of God, we can forgive. We can put to death the sin in our lives. We can make the hard decision because God's going to guard our feet. Even though we're like, I can't make that decision. Yes, you can. And you don't have to do it alone. A lot of times we're afraid to make that decision because we feel like it's, I have to just do it all by myself. That's that individualistic lifestyle we've come to accept. That's not how society, that's not how God created us. He created us for community. You're not alone. That person next to you will help you. That person in your life is walking with you. I'm going to go to a time of invitation. A time of...